0: (laughs) Here we go. Are we ready? You ready?
1: All right, we are ready.
0: Okay. You are unmuted.
1: I'm unmuted. (laughs) Thank you. So this is Monty Soka. You've joined the Affordable Housing Advisory Board meeting, uh, February 12th, for the City of Lawrence, Kansas. Um, We've got a pretty uh, long agenda today, as usual. I think. And uh, we have some new members, so uh, I'm going to take roll and then uh, we'll get the public comment and, and those things here in just a minute. So we're going to take roll and establish a quorum. Karen Willey.
2: Present. Oh.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the timer box is blocking your picture on the screen, so I couldn't see you. <laughs> Uh, Brenda Wall, present. Chris Berger, present. Mark Mueller, Stacy Schroeder, present. Galal Abid, present. Did I say that right? Yes. Cool. Okay, okay. Thank you. Hee uh, Sung Han, not here. Sarah Waters, here. Nicholas Ward. Hey Nicholas, okay. <laughs> and Nicholas has a, a friend. <laughs> so maybe we'll get introduced later. Phil Engelhart here. Christina Gentry here. Thomas Howe. Monty Sokup here. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten present. So we do have a quorum. With that. <laughs> Uh, Leah, I'm going to ask that you read the rules of engagement for our meeting for public comment, and then we'll move into public comment.
0: Thank you, Mr. Chair, and good morning, everyone. I have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating, in. Dur- Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn your video off. This allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn your video on. And if you have any trouble, you can send me a chat. Now I'll make a few notes on public comment. When the chair calls for public comment, individuals attending in person should approach the podium to indicate they wish to speak. The podium can be raised or lowered, and we encourage you to use this feature to ensure your comments are heard. Heard. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raised hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. Individuals will be called on in the order they appear on the host meeting screen. Please state your name before speaking. All comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, and now I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Sokup. Thank
1: you, Leah. At this time, we're going to open up for public comment. Uh, anybody in the room like to comment? no one in the room anybody online okay seeing none we're closing public comment we're going to move on to item b approve the minutes from the december 11 2023 meeting so i would accept a motion or any comments
3: sarah waters moved to accept the minutes
1: second so we have a motion and a second is there any discussion regarding the minutes
4: just as an explanation for my vote i wasn't present for it so i'm just going to abstain that's fine
1: yeah and um i would say that in the future if you're a board member and you've reviewed the minutes or watched the video you don't have to abstain if you were not here because you could have seen them I, i realize you guys are brand new this time that makes a lot of sense so just for clarification so we have a motion and a second i'm closing discussion and i will call roll Uh, Karen Willie. Approved. Brenda Wall. Abstain. Chris Berger. Abstain. Stacy Schroeder. Abstain. Galal Abid. Abstain. Sarah Waters. Approved. Nicholas Ward. Approved. Phil Engelhart. Approved. Christina Gendry.
5: Approved.
1: Monty Soka. Approved. Motion passes six. Four, four
6: abstentions.
4: Okay. And I think just the abstentions count with the positive. So when something passes, the abstentions just, so it's not like four against. No, it's not against, certainly.
1: Okay. Um, Agenda items. We're going to welcome our new uh, advisor members. And I think what I'd like to do is just go around the room for everybody's sake and um, uh, just explain maybe who you're representing, maybe briefly so we don't go crazy about how, how you got involved in this work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we'll do that and I will start. So I'm Monte Sokub, I'm representing uh, Justice Matters and I got involved through Justice Matters Uh, eight years ago and then subsequently got appointed to this board to be Justice Matters representative and personally I find the work incredibly rewarding to to do most probably the most rewarding volunteer work I've ever been involved in so I'm gonna pass it to my left Sarah Waters
3: Mm -hmm. thank you Monty Um, I'm Sarah Waters I'm I'm the University of Kansas rep Um, I've been on the board since 2018 Um, my role at KU is I'm the director of student housing Um, and so the intersection, of course, of students and then also the interest of our staff especially and faculty at KU is pretty important to the affordability um, of housing in Lawrence.
7: Hi, everyone. My name is Galal Obaid. I am a representative of the Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority. Um, I started uh, doing this work as an AmeriCorps eight years ago while getting my degree at KU. And I've been employed by the Housing Authority since uh, I finished my first that service year. Um, yeah, very excited to be here.
5: Good morning. I'm Christina Gentry. Um, My place in the AHAB is as a person who has received subsidized housing uh, through the um, voucher program. Um, I've been here for, I wouldn't say, maybe three years. Um, And it is very rewarding to be on the receiving end on some of the policies and practices that we are implementing as part of an understanding of how we could really um, utilize affordable housing on the ground and to be a person who has received monetary funds to help supplement my housing to now sit in a position where I could help lead uh, and help determine and help implement conversations to help uh, individuals who are either experiencing houselessness um, or who are also looking towards creating more policies that can help support our community. All right.
8: Phil, i like to jump over to you. Uh, <laughs> Phil Englehart. Uh, this is my second year on the board uh city at large rep. Uh I've done a variety of things, uh, but I've been involved in producing attainable and affordable housing for all oh, going on fifteen years. Uh and this work is 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 important and I'm I'm delighted to be able to make some contribution towards it. Hi right, and I'm Chris
4: Berger. I'm was appointed as the Home Builders Association, I guess, representative. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't view myself as a representative of, <laughs> of an organization or anything of that nature. But instead, uh, I see my role as maybe more holistically. My, my practice area, I'm a, an attorney. I practice in the construction law area and find that the, the regulations have an impact which um, probably could use some addressing by the board.
2: I'm Brenda Wall, I'm the representative for Family Promise of Lawrence, and um, having worked at Family Promise for almost nine years, I recognize the need for affordable housing for families, um, recognize that housing is the solution for homelessness, and have seen the challenges of families being able to get into housing. So I'm I'm eager to represent families in that respect.
9: I'm Stacy Schroeder, and I'm the representative for Lawrence Habitat for Humanity. And um, I've worked with Habitat for almost five years and just um, wanted to be a part of it because I've seen the difference that housing can make for families. Um, and it's it's the baseline for success and healthiness and, and education and all of those things. So I want to make sure that we're doing what we can for our community.
1: All right, Karen, you yeah. want
2: to? Sure. I'm Karen Willie. I'm a county commissioner, and I serve on the AHAB uh, in that capacity. Um, I also have experience with housing conversations from six years on the Planning, committee, uh, planning Commission in um, supporting both subsidized and market-rate housing, and trying to keep both of those in the conversation as we move forward, um, and infill and greenfield, greenfield development, so kind of all of the above approaches. Uh, I do have some small-time experience as a builder in Baldwin City, so I've enjoyed being a part of the conversation.
6: All right,
1: thank you, Karen. Nicholas?
10: Hello, Nicholas Ward with uh, the representative for Tenants to Homeowners. I've been um, in on staff at Tenants to Homeowners for six and a half, seven years, and before that was on the board of directors uh, for three years, and before that was a tenant um, of the Tenants to Homeowners program. And this is, this is Otis. He's got a fever, so he's hanging out today. Oh, <laughs> baby welcome
1: Otis all right thank you everybody I think I caught everybody Did I miss anybody okay all right uh, so the next thing on the agenda is item 2 quick update on a place for everyone plan to end chronic chronic homelessness in Douglas County so Leah I think I'm turning that over to you is that correct
0: yeah So um, I should have had the date pulled up, but um, so um, this is just sorry, Leah Rosalind, Affordable Housing Administrator. This is a very quick update, as it says, with the intention of having further discussion at the upcoming ahab retreat Um, at the retreat i will go through all of the strategies all of the goals in more detail and the ahab will have an opportunity to discuss um, your role in um, achieving the goals in that plan but um, essentially for the update um, just wanted to let folks know that um, the plan is finalized. Um, we presented to the city and county commissions a couple weeks ago. They had an opportunity to hear it. Um, and at this point, we are moving into operationalization of strategies. Um, the other update um, is that we are um, becoming a part of, so the community health plan um, has different areas um, Um, uh, for social indicators of health and sort of direct health impacts um, around areas that our community needs improvement on to impact health outcomes. Safe and affordable housing is one of those areas. And so um, myself, Galal, and Gabby Sprague, who this board has heard from in the past, um, are going to be serving as the conveners of the Safe and Affordable Housing um plank of the community health plan which is essentially going to be the same as the place for everyone plan to end chronic homelessness so um, that's really the update that the city and county commissions heard it we have finalized the plan we're moving into action for that plan and the ahab will have some direct um involvement in achieving certain strategies which we will discuss more in the retreat but i'm happy to answer any questions or um pull up the plan um at the request of the board
1: i had the opportunity to attend the joint meeting of the commission and lee is being very modest she and gabby and many others law was there i believe as well they were rock stars at that
6: mm-hmm.
1: uh presentation it was really great and if you get a chance to watch it uh i'm sure you can see it on on the uh, the city's website but they, they were amazing uh, advocates for the work we're doing and the work really the whole city's doing.
0: Thank you, Monty.
1: Any other comments? Look it online. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh discuss and consider the 2025 affordable housing trust timeline and priorities. So, uh we have a timeline that basically is um, modeled after last year's timeline or timelines we've done in the past uh, for creating uh, just that sequence of events to get to the funding process. Um, we'd like, I think, to start a discussion, and maybe the discussion isn't for today, it's probably for the workshop, but um, a discussion about. Um, how we go about uh, the nofo, and if we want to change the nofo in any way. So, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've had discussions with a lot of people about this. But um, I think when we started with Ahab and we started with the trust fund, we had the study from 2018, and the problem was so big. So we needed so many units and so many houses that. We said, look, we're gonna to go to the market and we're gonna see what the market brings us and we're gonna to try to deliver as many houses as we can get. It doesn't matter what sector they're in, what they provide, but we're gonna to try to get units on the ground and get ho- and people housed. And I think that was fine for the first four or five years. I think we've learned some things in that process. I think we've learned that because of, um, and probably people that are in housing knew this, <laughs> way before I did. Uh, but we learned that the tech projects are going to deliver a lot of affordable rentals for 30-year periods because of the funding that the federal government brings. And we can get those projects and we've been hugely successful at getting those projects at a pace that far outnumbers the the uh the pace of the entire state. So we've been successful in that and we delivered a ton of affordable rental housing that's a rental uh, available for 30 years what the market doesn't respond to is single-family homes, homes for families
6: uh,
1: and some of those other sectors. Uh, So I think we need to, as a board, I, I would love to see us take the time maybe at a retreat and think about do we want to create our NOFO so that it's not this wide cast of show us what the market will bring but instead we go this is what we need delivered in lawrence and try to get the projects that we need in the sectors that we're not meeting and i think that's from our goals you can see the sectors that we're not meeting uh so i think that's a broader discussion that i would love to have with this board um or i'd love for this board to have it's not a discussion with me it's a board (laughs) discussion sorry and uh I think at this time we probably what makes sense to me is to approve this timeline and then simultaneously start this work. I'm not sure we can get it implemented for this year's NOFO but I will be disappointed if we personally be disappointed if we don't get it implemented by next year's NOFO so that we can have uh, we can start delivering the things that we're not getting that we need. Um, and I think a great example of that was we had a project this year, the East Heights project that was an amazing project, but it wasn't structured in a way that uh, that the board could uh, really act on it. Uh, it, it just, there wasn't enough detail around it, whatever. And the board decided not to fund that, but um, that was an amazing opportunity and projects so if we're we can find those kind of opportunities and get them funded and get the things we want uh, I would love to see us move in that direction so sorry I talked a lot (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) you can probably see I'm passionate about that but um, I'd like your guys' thoughts on that and then ultimately we need to probably approve this timeline or if
8: people have comments on the timeline we need to talk about that the, this is Phil Engelhart. You, you think it's overly ambitious to do any revisions to the existing NOFO for 2024 to be more targeted? Because what I got from you was you wanted a more targeted at the sectors that, that, that aren't being provided. You want more more target emphasis, but you don't think we can do that this year? Well, I think we could. We would have to jump right on it and make
1: a really concerted effort. And it, certainly, yeah. we could do that, and we, we could make some modifications you know with this schedule and we could try to target some things I think there's a step beyond that where uh, maybe city staff or there are projects created like you think about the East Hills East Heights project that the city could have been more involved in that and owned the land then we could have gone out with like an R, more like an RFP to the development community and said, "We own the land. Here's what we want delivered. Give us proposals to deliver this product." And I think we can engage the private sector to fill that building gap, um, you know, to get the things we accomplish. But they're not going to do it on their own because these number, these kind of projects don't pencil uh, without the subsidy, and a builder's not going to go out and or developers not probably going to go out and invest a lot of money to put these projects together. Going, I hope I get this subsidy. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that maybe covers my upfront costs. You know, to develop the thing to this point. Uh, so I think I think we need somehow the city and and this board need to take a more active role. But yes, I think we could modify it to the point where we could point the specific sectors we're looking for and narrow it down. We could do that. I think in this timeline.
3: This is Sarah Watts. I, um, I guess I'm trying to figure out where this retreat is supposed to slot in to this schedule, um, so is that, do, like what month were we going to target for that? Because I, I think we have a lot of new members on this board that are going to need to kind of get, get some context on all the things you just said, um, <laughs> even though I know you've, you've worked with some phenomenal leaders from your organizations and you're not new at this. Um, because I like what you're saying, Monty. I think it's great. Um, and I'd love to get it sooner rather than later, but I'm not sure we're going to be ready. So, but where, when the retreat's going to happen, from an educational perspective, to me is important in trying to just slot all that together. So, when when was that going to be proposed, or are we going to? It's try the
1: to- next item. I, I think know. On our that's agenda.
3: Why I'm jumping <laughs> the Keeping you on your keeping you on your toes. So. <laughs>
1: I expect nothing less.
2: I know. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Mr. Chair, let me know when I can jump in. Uh, jump in. Okay, Um, I'm game for all the discussions you're talking about at the retreat. Um, I also would like to see us set a goal of streamlining and simplifying our NOFO. I think it's incredibly clunky. Um, That's something that when we did the process last year, which was the first time I was involved with that, um, it really kind of weighed on me that that what we're asking from folks when they apply. So I'd like to see us uh, also have that as a goal if others agree.
1: I think that's fair.
3: I think it's fair, this is Sarah Waters, I think we've reviewed that, that document multiple times and so I'd love to hear what's considered clunky because as somebody who's reviewed many times, I everything on there has been important. So again, I hear what you're saying, Karen, because I know filling it out is the burden, um, but on review, a lot of what's there is pretty critical to making decisions. And so again, all up for all of that, but I think that there's we've gotta weigh that as well um, as we move forward. Something.
5: All right. Yeah, I'm and, and just real quickly, um, uh, I know that we um, have three months from where the NOFO is public and released until where we accept applications, and I appreciate that three-month time. I'm curious as to have what supports we will get to make sure that the intentional outreach, Monty, that you were speaking of, is supported by the city and the county, uh, the cities more specifically, um, with the Place for Everyone strategy and all of the things that we have talked about, how this will be moved intentionally to gather those works and those applicants that we really want to, to support with the applications or with the funding process too. So that would maybe be something that we talk about in more detail about the, the multi-sector partnerships that we want to make sure sure know about the opportunities Mm -hmm. um, and talk them through that so that we aren't you know spreading this net wide and hoping we gather the fish we are really going after the intentional um, markets that we want to to have
1: all right (laughs) awkward pause there do we uh do we want to approve or take a quick look at the timeline specifically get that approved and then talk about the retreat and whether or not we're willing to commit to trying to you know do something at the retreat to kind of redirect so let's look at the timeline here well, Chris Berger
4: yeah. as, as a new individual I'll say that it um, I still have some, some practical approach to it from not being you know kind of committed to mm-hmm. the documents that are on the on the Commission on the board. And um, the time period uh, between when it's kind of released until applications are due, practically speaking, uh, people really don't put too much effort into it until you get in that 30 days. So if we need to make some time, again, just practically speaking, if we need to make some time so that we can do something which is more targeted, uh, there's some room in this schedule that would allow for that. And, And I'll just kind of note that I like the idea quite a bit of something which is more targeted and Mm -hmm. making that recommendation to the City Commission because uh, for, you know, good reason or bad reason, uh, you know, the the more I call it the private market sector uh, for single family uh, was very discouraged last year. And I don't think we'll get very much participation from them unless there is something that's targeted.
3: Okay, so our, um, I, I would recommend that we don't approve this right now um, because of some of what Chris just said. There is a little buffer in there still. I mean, unless we need to approve it now and that we get this retreat scheduled and then we make a decision there on the
0: timeline. This is Leah Can If I could just offer. context of, of why we need to approve this now would be great. Um, so a couple of a couple of things. This just gives us a roadmap to make sure that we are staying on course and that we're making progress um, every month um, towards getting the nofo out at the the approved deadline. It can be revised at, at a later date if it's approved today and then we have the retreat and the board decides to move in a different direction. Um, i might say that um there there could be differing um thoughts about having the um the couple months for applicants to apply to me that's um That is an equity strategy, Um, knowing that specific organizations or groups who may want to apply as first-time applicants will take some targeted um, outreach, meetings and that those organizations that um may need to develop in their capacity will likely also need additional time to think of projects and come up with the application and as a former grant writer it just it takes a long time to write a grant application so um so that's some other perspective about having that buffer Um, i think it can be difficult to just find unless you are are aware ahead of time that a will be dropping and are already pre- prepared 30 days can be a tight deadline but perhaps other grant writers in the room would like to speak to that as well that's just been my experience um i think it is helpful in For like making sure that our agendas every month reflect the work that needs to be done working towards a deadline. Um, If the AHAB is interested in, you know, drastically revising it or not not releasing a NOFO this summer, then that could be a different story. But um, if it's anticipated that we'll likely do the same thing, then this, it just gives us some clear direction of when our deadlines are.
8: I think that Phil Englehart again.
0: Uh, Karen
8: has a hand up. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go, Karen. Oh, Karen. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Quite all right. It's hard with the hybrid meeting, uh, Karen. Will I, commissioner? Um, I would be glad to make a motion to approve the timeline. Kind of recognizing we may need some flexibility, but it does um, just the very act of approving the timeline puts it on the radar for people who may be looking to apply. Um, I realize that that you know the three-month period between um, the documents released and the applications due uh, is is fairly long, but it's also you know it gives folks time to process what's being asked even if they're only writing it in the last 30 days and just also that um, that Leah I believe you and other staff meet with every applicant and scheduling that probably takes some time that's not typical for a grant process
7: this is galal obeyed and I would like to also add that some agencies have to run it by their boards so um, minimum of 60 days in my opinion is uh, good for at least from my perspective as an applicant Okay, so Karen, did you actually make a
1: motion or you said you're willing to make a motion?
2: (laughs) I'm willing to make a motion if the chair would so like.
1: Yeah, I'd like a motion so we can push this forward.
2: (laughs) I move to approve the timeline as presented.
1: Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. Second. Okay, we got a second. Okay, now discussion on that. And the idea is that it is amendable it is amendable uh, in the future um, and certainly if we you know as we start working on this and we need another you know two weeks or three weeks, we could amend the schedule to get there if we think we'll get there in that amount of time and if we don't we'll basically we can put out the same nofo you know adjusted timelines for the uh, that we did last year and we'll have the same outcome we'll have projects we just won't they won't be targeted that's all and we can also target as we discuss the projects right so there's that too right but okay so any other discussion
0: mr chair (laughs) yes um this could potentially be discussed after the vote. But um, going back to Karen's comment regarding um, work on the NOFO, the board may wish to consider whether you'd like to form another NOFO committee again this year, or if you'd like to decide that at the retreat. But if there's already recommendation of doing that work, that might be good to go ahead and discuss at this meeting.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point, Leah. Thank you for bringing that up. I think uh, if we were to... work at the retreat and decided we needed a committee, could we do it there? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Let's see how far we can get at the retreat. And maybe we don't need a subcommittee for that and maybe we do, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go from there. Okay, I'm going to, this says there's no more discussion. I'm looking around, I'm, I'm even looking at the screen, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no more discussion, I'm gonna call the roll in. Karen Willie,
6: approve.
1: Brenda Wall,
9: approve.
1: Chris Berger, approve. Stacy Schroeder, approve. Sarah Oh Galal, approve. Sarah Waters, approve. Nicholas Ward, approve. Phil Engelhart, approve. Christina Gentry,
5: approve.
1: Monty Sokup, approve. Motion passes 10-0. So we'll have adopted this. And uh, we are on to the next agenda item. Uh, Discuss agenda items for retreat and schedule a date. Uh, Well, we just discussed one agenda item (laughs) for the retreat. Um, We also, uh, Leah, what else do we have that we were going to cover at the retreat? I know we have a presentation on Toma. is that right Corm- Corma whatever it is um,
0: that'll be at the this is the Arizona Affordable Housing Administrator that will be at the next um, Ahab meeting oh, in that's March next okay um, we'll have a training on diversity equity and inclusion in affordable housing and we were going to be discussing um, prioritization of strategies for the next funding round
1: Okay. So we need to select a date. I think, personally, sooner is better than later. So we can, so we don't push it out any further than we have to, and we have time to work on these things that we're trying to get done. So, um, I guess thinking about March, maybe. I'm trying to remember, Leah, did we come up with some dates that we were thinking? No? Okay. This is
0: Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. No, there, and there are a couple of items that um, for the board to consider. One is the length of time. Um, in the past, we've done a four-hour retreat. There is a recommendation to do an all-day retreat, and perhaps that would be six hours as opposed to eight hours, um, but to have a little bit more time together um, where we come together in the morning... Um, actually break for lunch and then come back, as opposed to having a working lunch, or we could keep it to four hours. So that's um, the first decision. And then um, and then the date as well. So if the board would like to have the retreat um, occur on the same day as a regular meeting and just um have that meeting be extended or if you'd like to look at a different day and i would suggest late march um, or april knowing that time is of the essence but it will take staff time to get everything together and prepared and and if there are some preferences if if of the board on the day of the week um the board could either uh, Go ahead and look at calendars today and select a date or if there are preferences for days i could send out a doodle poll um, for a final decision um this is karen willie
2: again if we're looking at a, a a good portion
0: of a day um
2: thursdays and fridays are the only ones i could swing and, and some of those i can more than others
6: yeah
1: okay i'm gonna throw out a date <laughs> go for it uh thir- march the 14th or march the 15th
3: this is sarah waters um that week is ku spring break as well as lawrence public schools um, mm-hmm. and i would recommend we don't schedule during that week sorry imani that's all right yeah hey, just, I just in terms of both of those are syncing up that week i think it might be hard i would also want to add that we have a couple of board members not present today mm-hmm. so i'm not sure we'll be able to finalize today we may need to up with a few different and then take the doodle poll option just so that we right. can make sure that mark and thomas potentially have availability on whatever we're proposing
1: okay so friday the 22nd what's that look like for most people is it possible date to put in the doodle poll? we're just looking for dates to put in the doodle poll at this time i'm trying to get it you know somebody's got it
9: to, got to start. Something.
1: you know or this is the final game of the March madness or something <laughs> that I'm not aware of
3: <laughs> no but it will be a tournament uh, right maybe based on what Karen shared we could do the Thursday Friday the 21 22 and then 28 mm-hmm. 29 in a doodle poll just to see
8: I, I may be gone yeah you know my schedule is kind of
3: I now year
8: I so schedule for the
1: majority so let's do those two date or those four dates. And then let's also do the 4th and the 5th of April. And let's see what comes out of that. Does that make sense? That's mm-hmm. two, three Thursday, Fridays.
10: Sure. You got that, Leah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nicholas Ward, tennis installmenters. Just double-checking again, this would be for the 6th. Or the eight hours versus the four hours with the trainings included during that time. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, minimum six, I think, which is a long, long day. But I won't be leading that. Leo will be leading that.
6: <laughs>
1: so, well, together we'll do it. We'll all do it. Um, Okay.
0: This is Leah Rosen, Affordable Housing Administrator. Would the board also be interested in looking at other dates in April, like the 11th or 12th? I'm just, I'm, I guess, I'm concerned knowing like what, um, what staff has (laughs) um, on our plates for the next month. I'm not sure that a few weeks would give us enough time to prepare.
1: Yeah, if we need to pull the front date off and add some to the back, that's okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: I, I would not
3: suggest April 12th. I believe that might be Good Friday and also a school holiday for Lawrence Public Schools.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Okay. Um, next item is item five, review and approve the 2023 Affordable Housing Advisory Board Annual Report um at the last meeting we reviewed a draft of that report and it's my understanding that we uh the city had a financial system kind of switch over and the the um, financial part of the report is still not yet available but that we could approve the report subject to staff's review basically leah of the financial portion of that report so we could approve it subject to her, her review of the uh, her staff's review, we'll call it staff. So I don't think anybody has any comments. I mean last meeting we had a presentation and we quickly went through the report. I don't think there are any surprises in the report. Um, I would uh, accept a motion to approve the report subject to staff approval of the financials. Or if there's a consensus of people that don't want to do it that way and we want to put this off a month, we can do that as well. Is that correct?
10: Monty, I would make um, a motion to approve subject to staff receiving the updated budget numbers from finance. Second.
1: Okay, we have a motion and a second. Any discussion? All right. Seeing none, I am going to call the roll. I feel like I call the roll a lot. <laughs> Karen, Karen Willie. Approve. Okay. Brenda Wall. Approve. Chris Berger. Abstain. Uh, Stacy Schroeder.
9: Approve.
1: Galal Obeyed. Abstain. Abstain. Sarah Waters. Approve. OK. What did I do here? <laughs> Hold on. I apparently can't count, so. Uh, Nicholas Ward. Approve. Phil Englehart. Approve. Christina Gentry. Approve. Monty Sokup. Approved. So motion passes with 842 abstentions. None opposed.
0: Mr. Chair, I apologize. Who seconded that motion? Say that again? Phil did. Okay. Thank you. I missed the second.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Moving on to uh, discuss and select members for a CIP project committee. Um, do you want me to introduce this or do you want to do this Leah
0: it's up to you mr. chair
1: <laughs> uh, well I'll start and then you fill in so uh, last year I, uh, Leah basically I think it's you that made an application for a CIP project to benefit affordable housing um, we did not have a specific project but we've all seen several projects that could have used CIP funding to install utilities or whatever that would have helped uh, move affordable housing or open up ground for affordable housing so anyway Lee is uh, the application that she made got approved so there's a half a million dollars basically of CIP dollars that can be used to benefit affordable housing projects so another funding source if you will not directly uh trust funds but certainly moving our cause in the right direction um so lee and i have talked about this and one of the thoughts would be maybe we were very fortunate i think to get a project approved without a lot of specifics around it in a cip process (laughs) that might be (laughs) yeah um i think that goes to show some of the support at the city level for affordable housing. But I don't think we should expect that or anticipate that in the future. And I think in the future, we'll have to have submit actual projects uh, to get funding. So uh, Lee and I thought it might be a good idea to create, instead of having trying to have this board do all of that work as a large body, to have two or three people on this board that have interest in that, expertise in that. and form a small subcommittee to start looking for those kinds of projects and what we could uh, try to make for the next CIP application project process which is in the spring so there's a fairly short time frame here.
8: Are we talking about submitting, this is filling hard, are we talking about submitting a CIP project for
0: 2025? This is Leah Roseland, if I could. um, So I think there are are a couple of different items on the table. One is the C- Affordable Housing CIP that was already approved. Originally, that was approved for disbursement over the course of two years, 24 and 25. Last year, when the AHAB discussed it, um, you all made a motion um, to move all of those funds over to 2025 so that there was the ability to do a project with the whole 500000 um, And further, at that time, the AHAB decided to form a subcommittee who would be responsible for drafting an RFP um, for the utilization of those funds that will be available in 2025, which is right around the corner, as we saw from the no-pro timeline. Um, So that would be the work of the committee. That committee could further discuss other projects for future CIP applications. Um, The CIP um, application for the city for the next round is due in like two weeks. So there's not the ability to meet the deadline for 2025 new applications, but would certainly be great work to sort of lay the groundwork so that we're prepared in the future uh, to submit applications, because that does only have a 30-day application period and that doesn't (laughs) doesn't give us a lot of time to think of projects when the deadline comes out and before the applications are due.
1: So this group we'd be forming would basically be figuring out Making a recommendation to the larger board on how to spend the half million dollars or what process to use to create an
8: RFP, I think. Is that right? Correct.
6: Right? Yeah.
0: Okay.
8: So but we have got we've got two things going on here, it seems to me like we have the five hundred K 2025. Right. So at some those point. Those funds are allocated. Those funds well they're so they're, they're there, awarded. they're not allocated. They're not allocated. Yet. Okay. And then we have the the possibility of being involved in the community call for CIP projects right. in twenty six. In twenty six, mm-hmm. which this
1: committee might go on to try to inform that as well. Okay,
8: but Good. In, but the the twenty the twenty twenty five piece, when, what what input is Ahab going to make with respect to? The plan for allocating those funds do are we making any is that well, i think the committee would work on identifying
1: a project or projects and then they would bring that back to this committee the sub the subcommittee okay. would work on finding a project. instead of having the whole committee okay that committee would go out and look for the projects so that could be i mean we've seen projects like this we've seen the going south project that needed a spur off of a off of a roundabout that yeah. could be one uh, we know that uh homeowners owns um, the uh holcomb yeah. yeah park land that they bought from the school district that might need a street extension or a sewer extension or something those are the kind of things that we would be looking at to figure out how to move forward an affordable housing project uh, and those are just two
8: that I happen to have on top of my head. Well, l- l- probably a dozen. Phil Englehart again. You can tell me shut up any time. But the, uh, uh, <laughs> how, how liberally can we interpret the, the notion of what constitutes a capital project I mean, it's easy to, to look at concrete and street extensions and sewers and stuff, but that in and of itself isn't putting units on the ground. I know it's a necessary precursor, I get that, mm-hmm. but can, is there any possibility that, that we can interpret what constitutes a capital project in a more flexible manner so that, so that we can actually get some of these targeted areas that we're not making any headway on right now? can can we use can we somehow use cip that cip allocation to move that targeted stuff that we're not the you know the the less dense family stuff for example that's that right no i think i think
1: okay i think we certainly can i think just my gut feeling of having been through multiple cip processes right right is if you can stick to sewers and streets and those kind of things under the context you're gonna i think it goes over better politically that's
6: not i'm I'm not 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 saying
1: we have to stick there we can make an interpretation
0: yeah this is leah roseland to i guess to address so a, a couple items for context um the first is that the trust funds have been supplemented in the past from cip dollars and that has not gone to infrastructure it's just gone to affordable housing development the application that i submitted for the 2025 affordable housing advisory board cip did not specifically state infrastructure so i guess to more directly answer your question it can be interpreted more broadly Um, it could be used for development it doesn't have to be sewers streets etc just as long as it's going to support affordable housing development. And the AHAP really has two options. One could be to pool those CIP dollars with the sales tax dollars so that there's a larger amount to allocate in the regular round of affordable housing trust funds. And whether that's for a NOFO process or an RFP process, that's one option. The other option is to parse them out. To do whatever with the sales tax dollars, and then to have a separate, either RFP or some application process specifically for those CIP dollars.
8: I'll make it real quick. <laughs> I have a question. Um, at this point in time, I'm against combining the CIP dollars with the. Uh, I won't. I won't vote for that. <laughs> okay.
4: Oh, Chris Berger. I mean, our, our only authority though is over the trust fund. We
8: should speak to that.
0: The CIP, um, Affordable Housing Advisory Board CIP dollars have been awarded to the AHAB with the understanding that whatever project that the AHAB decides to do with those CIP dollars will need to go back for final approval by the commission. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. Everything the that a AHAB a always makes a recommendation to the commission, whether it's for the trust funds or the CIP.
4: Yeah. I appreciate that. But again, I sometimes as a new person, I kind of like to take advantage of the fact that I'm new and I don't know anything. <laughs> and so one of those things that, that I do know is we have certain authority that we're granted as an advisory board, mm-hmm. and it's limited to the trust fund. So mm-hmm. if we historically may have made recommendations outside the trust fund, that's something.
0: In this, inst- uh, um, as I said, um, CIP dollars have been added to the trust fund to um, under the Ahab's authority to provide recommendations for the allocation of, and it'll be similar for this CIP. The city commission already approved the Ahab making a recommendation for a CIP project to, um, for affordable housing development. Okay.
1: Ultimately, I mean, on more than one, eh, maybe I can't say that, on at least one occasion, the city has taken our recommendation and altered it. The city commission will make a recommendation and they they actually have the authority to actually award the funds. We're just making a recommendation and they have altered our recommendations. So I kind of look at it that way. If they tell us it's ours to recommend, we'll recommend. I don't know. Um, So I have one question on the CIP. If we identified... Well, let's just say a sewer project, and I have nothing in mind. (laughs) If we identified a sewer project, could we ask the city to actually execute, through the city's contracting process, a sewer project for a city sewer? Instead of allocating those, we essentially award that back to MSO to award a project. Is that a possible mechanism?
0: This is Leah Rosalind Affordable Housing Administrator. I think that would get, I mean, we don't have the authority to dictate work to other departments.
1: We can make the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> that would be what we'd be doing. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right, um, are there people interested in serving on the CIP subcommittee? I'm interested in serving on the CIP subcommittee, <laughs> but uh, I certainly am happy to step aside if other people have interest in...
8: I'd Phil hard again. You Phil. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I have a fair understanding of the basics of CIP and, and think that I might be able to contribute something that would be of value. Uh, might not like the result, but, uh, you know... <laughs> So I I would be interested in in serving if if it's okay. But if somebody else wants to do it, that's fine too. All right, I'm looking.
1: Any others? Okay, so right now it looks like Phil and I have self-nominated ourselves.
4: (laughs) 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 Um, Do we want a third at least? So we can have a full fledged disagreement on the yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure.
4: <laughs> Are you self-nominating? No. <laughs>
7: okay. <laughs> I was looking around the room to nominate yeah. someone else. <laughs> this is Galala Obaid. Is this going to be like convened of just members from the Ahab or okay. And so good question. Probably we could uh
1: certainly there will be city staff that we would okay. call on. I mean, I can imagine us calling uh, David Cronin the city engineer to talk about different projects or uh, Jeff Crick the city planner you know to talk about feasibility and things like that so certainly there will be other people involved Um to help yes thank you and again that this group's gonna would just make recommendations back to this larger group mm-hmm. to have discussions so. okay so right now we have myself and Phil um,
4: certain, we'll leave that open if somebody I, finds I, an interest. I would move to nominate you two and okay. one player to be selected later, later,
1: later, later, drafted, later. drafted
6: yeah.
4: later.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, and we have several people absent today, so uh, they might be. There might be an interest. You know, Mark or Thomas might be interested. Certainly. Okay. Um, so we have a motion on the floor. Do I have a second?
3: Second, Sarah Waters.
1: Any discussion? (laughs) Do we need to vote on that, actually, Leah?
0: It doesn't require a formal vote, no.
1: Okay, we're going to do all in favor, aye? Aye. Aye. Okay, Okay, opposed? Okay. So an informal vote. All right. Um. Item seven: Review review affordable housing trust fund year end reports. Um, hopefully, everybody had a chance to read through these, at least skim them. Are there any comments? I have a couple comments, but I'm going to let other people comment first. And
8: yeah, Phil Engelhart. Uh, I. I'm still unclear on the New Hampshire lofts project. What, how many units are, I mean, I read through the report and there's either 49 units or there's 54 units or there's 55 units. I've, I've never been clear on on what, what it is that we're, that AHAB is contributing funding toward for that project. And it seemed to indicate in the report that they expected to, to be in swing in, in 2024. And I, I didn't print off all that stuff and so I may have some things wrong. But I'm, I'm a little unclear on what's going on in, in that project, and I, I'd like to see some clarification at some point, just for my own personal interest. Yeah, that's the that Flint.
1: That's the Flint Hills 2023. Mm-hmm. Y- yes, that. Yes. Was, yes. So I had the, <laughs> I had the same question. I did not read in that report what their actual progress is. I read what the project's going to do, but I didn't get any understanding of where they are in the process. I didn't either. Um, so I'd, I guess I would like for us, if we can, to go back to them and ask what the actual progress is uh, on that report, because that's not a, in my opinion, not a sufficient report. Um I did have a chance to visit the Harper 7 project when they had an open house. I didn't go to the open house, but I went by it the other day. Yeah, I went to the open house. It was really a fabulous little site. Uh, I encourage you to go by there. Um, I can't remember if that was two or three lots that were combined and we're getting seven houses on that seven single-family houses. One was a rehab and then there's six new on the little Spur Street, I'll call it a spur, not even hardly a cul-de-sac, even. Um, really neat little development. So,
8: yeah, it has some. Uh, and I, my wife and I went by it the other day, and it uh, it bears some at least superficial resemblance to the uh, the cottage court notion that is part of the land development code revision. And so, yeah, I mean, go buy it and look at it. I mean, I didn't get to see inside, but it, it, I'm, it looks great. I mean, it really does. Yeah. They did a nice
1: renovation of the older house. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they were, the new ones are under construction. So, um, obviously, the Estates of Lawrence is well underway. They're framing, you know, at this point and uh, plan to be complete in 24. That's really nice. Uh, The DCCA project hasn't started yet, and I struggle a little bit on that one. Um, Understand, I mean, there was some kind of delay, uh, but it gives me pause, I guess, that that hasn't gotten underway. It's a great project. Uh, Just like to get it
8: dirt moving on that. Um, Nothing? Go ahead. Hey, Nicholas, I hate to put you on the spot here, Chief, but uh, w- when do you when do you anticipate that you you all will make a decision, a final decision about whether you can go with three or six
10: on Michigan? Yeah, thanks, Phil. Nicholas, with tenants to homeowners. So for the Michigan six project, the, what Phil's referring to is that we came up against a little hangup that we weren't aware of when we acquired the land, which is that there's a covenant running with um the land when that was annexed in. Um and so I I put some time into that and got I need just over fifty percent of the individuals within that um grouping of housing um fifty over just over fifty percent of the frontage to sign off on releasing the covenant. And so I'm I'm pretty I'm getting much closer Um, I'll put another move on that probably in May of this year. Um, so I've been doing a lot of stuff like going door to door, sitting in people's kitchens. We had a little pizza party in the neighborhood, um, but really just talking about what the covenant doesn't, doesn't allow and why, and why not that would be of interest to them or affordable housing in the neighborhood. Um, and so that's good. And it's also just a great way to connect with the neighbors in a, in a real meaningful way versus just sending out social media things and things like that. Um, so that's that's going well um and then the other component of that fill is that um our push is for the increased density there so to be able to do the six units instead of just the three so we have the whole site plan established and everything else we've gone through environmental review we've done the archaeological survey and so the next step is actually just for us to start on the first house and um the way that it's laid out we'll build um the first three houses the first uh, three, three bedroom houses. And while we're doing that, I'll continue working with the neighbors on my kind of affordable housing, housing education, um, that I'm doing. And my hope is that by the time we've completed that third house, that, um, a majority of the neighborhood are on board with us doing the next
1: three. Okay. So is that basically a ADU situation where one sits on the back of the lot?
10: Um, it it's just the using the density bonus. Oh, okay. So this was just like Harper. This was a roughly 32,000 square foot lot. Um, and it had one house kind of plopped in the middle that, um, was beyond repair, at least to be financially responsible with our, the funding that we had. Mm-hmm. And so we demolished that house and we'll be doing three, uh, three bedroom houses and three, two bedroom houses, um, all the, the two-story, three-bedroom houses will be fully visitable, and then the two-bedroom houses, which are up front, all on a three-share drives, um, will be fully accessible, and they're similar to the some of the units that we're doing over on Harper, the single-story ones, and 1443 Prairie, which um, we, was from a few years ago.
8: Okay. So you're going to push ahead on the three units no matter what?
10: Um, yeah, we're able to do that by right, um, even with the covenant in place. The covenant really um, just has some restrictions for neighbors that essentially says they can't have a second unit on their property, regardless of the, the lot size. Um, so when that was a single lot, um, there was in 32,000 square feet, they couldn't have put a ADU on it. So no neighbor is allowed to have an ADU. They're not allowed to have... Um, more than one garage, more than one shed in the back. And so these are a lot of just kind of basically restrictive covenants that really seems like it's meant to have like a certain aesthetic from a certain era. Um, And so that's that's a part of my challenge in this is to talk about, and a lot of the folks in the uh, neighborhood are a little bit older, um, maybe retired with pensions, maybe aren't aware of exactly what affordability means these days. And so talking to them that, you know, this is someone moving in that makes... $54,000 $54,000 a year with a kiddo um, that otherwise isn't able to get into a house and Lawrence and this will allow them to do that. And so um, just having some of those real conversations that are backed up by the actual data that the city and other people we work with have put together for us.
1: Okay, thank you, Nicholas. Any other comments? I'm looking at the screen. Okay, great. Mr. Chair yes
0: um this is leah roslin affordable housing administrator i'm just wondering if the board would be interested in asking um, the project recipients to present um, progress annually and in addition to a written report if the board would be interested in them coming to address questions or um just an idea i don't want to ask anybody to do more work but if it would be beneficial if there are questions um just wanted to make that suggestion, Karen Willie. May I yeah. jump in? Yeah.
6: Yes. yes. I,
0: I, think it's, I think it's fabulous
2: to hear back from applicants. Um, I wonder, because our time is so limited together, if that might be something that the city commission wanted to kind of schedule in through the course of their year to get that feedback since it's ultimately their dollars. Um, and maybe just we could get the, the video snippets of each of those and, and just to streamline that process. Because we do tend to use our, our two hour blocks once a month pretty fully.
6: Yeah.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, I will say uh it was nice like Nicholas being here one of the applicants to be able to talk to it. I don't I think a presentation might eat a lot of time. Right. Uh but it was certainly nice to have the applicant available uh, in that case. So I don't know maybe there's a middle ground there somewhere. All right, I'm going to close that agenda item unless there are any other comments. Uh I'm going to suggest we take like a five minute break and then come back uh, and we'll we could look at a couple of the housing goals that we haven't strategized yet haven't completed our strategies on yet and finish up the meeting but I think a five minute break might be appropriate so moved excellent
6: i am mean, this is yes yeah, I'm I'm finally ready
1: yeah. <laughs> this is monte soka chair of Affordable housing advisory board of the city of lawrence we are back in session after a brief break we're going to move on to item uh, agenda item number eight this is review the five-year affordable housing advisory board goals discuss and consider approving strategies for goals one through three you may recall we started at goal seven and we're working our way backwards um, thinking that that would be easier. <laughs> mm. I don't know if it's proven that way, but um, so on. Last time we were discussed this, we were working on goal number three, and I think we had developed strategies, and Leah has documented those strategies. So what I'd like to do is briefly discuss those, if if there needs to be discussion and approve strategies for goal three, and then let's move on to number two.
4: Good one. <laughs> Just a, a question What yeah. are universal design standards? So, uh, somebody
1: besides me should explain that. I have a basic understanding, but probably uh, Nicholas or Leah is probably better than I.
0: This is Leah Roseland, Affordable Housing Administrator. Universal design or um, certain um, building design standards um, for um, accessibility? So not quite to the extent of ADA, um, but there's a whole list of examples of what would be universal design. So essentially that um, no matter what your physical ability is, that they're accessible for you. Yeah.
4: Is it a term of art? Is it what? Is it a term of art? I mean, when, when someone says universal design, that you can say they're published by this person and Um, updated routinely and can find it in this particular source?
0: Different states have set different standards. There's no Kansas state standard for universal design and there's no set standard um, that would be parallel to ADA and like a national standard. Um, different states have adopted, and I've also seen different municipalities adopt um, universal design standards. And in the last of, um, trust funds, NOFO, we had a list of some of those standards that we gave points towards, but it wasn't all inclusive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Phil had a similar question about, and I, and I had sent him some resources, right. and I'm happy to send that to you or the whole board if there's interest in learning more. Does that generally answer?
6: Uh,
4: yes, I, mean, I, I take your answer to be that there's not a designated publication referred to as universal design. Correct. But instead it's a concept which is an accessibility concept.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
8: Phil Engelhart, one, you might put that on the, uh, whatever you call that thing, the retreat thing to uh, to see if we can hone in more exactly what universal design standards based on that Kentucky and West Virginia model, based on that uh, what kind of universal design standards we might want to see incorporated in the NOFO. If we could get a little closer, it might be good. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean we could reference the Kentucky standard. Right, right. As opposed to
1: creating
4: our own.
8: Right, yeah. Or
4: something like that if you wanted if you wanted to go that far. Right. I mean Chris Berger again reading it from the outside Mm -hmm. a requirement for something which is not a published standard only invites both a lot of discretion from this board which means that we typically would not attract as many applicants because there's a lot of work that goes into an application Mm -hmm. as we've noted and to have something that's really ambiguous is well intended but probably not going to achieve the goal we want
5: so this is Christina Gentry. Um, so, universal design in its ambiguity is is in. Embedded into the NOFO in some facets. So, uh, for example, there's one story living as, as opposed to having steps to entry. Um, lighting being, you know, supplemental for those with poor vision. So some of these things could be absolutely embedded to if there was a senior resource center who's applying for grant applications. If there was a um, mirror, oh no, not mirror ink, but any other specific applications that come from um, entities and organizations that deal or have a priority population that have um, significant um, accessibility issues as it would pertain to um, a, a design that's universal for people who are able-bodied. So, like, you know, there's lever door handles for people who have poor hamstrings. Those things are specific and they're not ambiguous or yeah, whatever that word is. Um, (laughs) But um, they they do implement and they do talk about how we are embedding equity into the form and the structure of our design um, because universal would be that it be accessible to everyone. So that is the main goal and the driver. Um, But we could definitely get more um, stronger definitions and examples of which are universal designed to be more complementary to the work that we are committing to community
0: yeah this is leah roseland affordable housing administrator i i also want to take this opportunity to note that next month at the march ahab meeting we will have a presentation um, by evan who does um, accessibility work for the city and um, somebody from independence inc will be coming in and talking about um, universal design and accessibility for housing. So that would be a great opportunity to maybe think of some questions in advance or some, some, and they can give some really specific guidance as well.
8: And, and you might send, I mean, if you can, send that Kentucky and uh, West Virginia links out. Okay. To, to, would, I think would be good. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, Phil.
3: This is Sarah Waters. So I appreciate all of that, and I am still struggling with word require in this particular bullet point. Um, so until we arrive a, like, at a consensus around what this means, I feel like it should not say require, because I know when we spoke about this before, I brought up some concerns about what can be considered universal design at times, and it's not practical for some other people. And I get it works for a lot, and it's an access piece, and strike me down right now, because I don't like speaking like this, but it just, it concerns me, because some things do cost more when you, when you get into different aspects so can we change that word
8: where where, where is the required maybe just
3: require I'm all new straight. units supported with uh. ahab funds to incorporate universal Science standards for accessibility okay, must
8: be different to my sheet oh okay i have so that, the old sheet okay i <laughs> so, yeah,
3: know okay. i just
8: okay okay uh, require all well maybe the real hang up is in all because, and I'm not opposed to striking yeah, out the, just, the require, I'm, I'm good with that, but the way that West Virginia and Kentucky did it was to say a percentage had to meet this.
3: Yeah, it, until we can arrive yeah, around sure. what that really means, because universal design often means that you don't have upper kitchen cabinets.
8: Okay, yeah, yeah.
3: And so, and I think it's it's problematic not to have upper kitchen cabinets sometimes when we're dealing with okay. small space. So and I get it that a lot of folks can't reach that, but it, it changes the, the layout. Um, it could be 36 inch doorways always. Um, and again, I get it um, in terms of somebody whose mother used a wheelchair. Uh, hmm. And yet, I'm not sure you always need a 36 inch doorway all the time. So that's why I'd like to to get Not have it say require, require. all. OK, yeah, um, I understand your logic. Until we can ar- come to some consensus about what that means in the, the Lawrence, Kansas standard, instead of talking about Kentucky and West Virginia here. Wow.
7: This is Galal Obeyed. Um, I think that there is, I mean, if we're going to make a strategy and an intentional, make intentional like uh, work towards uh, addressing this goal. Um, maybe requires not the word and it's prioritize and kind of just really be intentional about, you know, supporting work or adding like um, to the NOFA like points that are, I know that that already exists, Mm -hmm. but being very specific and giving giving the applicants, um, I think if we hear from the presenters, uh, Lee said Independence Inc is coming through, if they already have something that Developers or applicants can like look to, to be like, okay, these are ways we're meeting this uh, prioritization. Uh, these are ways. These are things we're uh, adopting. And maybe we can adopt all because universal design. It sounds like there's many aspects to it that you can, mm-hmm. you can. In this space, it's more functional to do no steps, and while in this space, it's gonna have to be a two-floor unit in order for it to be a four-bedroom household Um, so I think prioritization and doing points to that uh, still allows us to be very intentional when we're allocating funds and and Chris Berger and and you know as applicable
4: because I'm I'm seeing there's a, a really good intention to be fully accessible for everyone anytime everywhere but that has a significant impact on the cost of constructing it. And so there are some, there's some gives and some takes. And I know we, there may be a feeling that we're a little, or that there, there is available funding always there. But I mean, if we can stretch it further, then that might be better for the community. But I, I would generally agree the idea of some, why, why not, Why not let the people who are making the applications present to us and say, hey, we think this is really a good use of the funds and a good way to hit the market and allow for, you know, if if five people come in with five units and then someone else comes in with 20 units, we can make the decision. So would we be in agreement to say
1: prioritize new units supported with affordable housing trust funds to incorporate
4: uh is that strong enough i think that might be too strong because it still is considering that our expectation would be that we would we would expect every unit Mm -hmm. i don't expect every unit i wouldn't but if you're an applicant and you read that you would
7: I think it push uh, this is Bait, I think it pushes an applicant yeah, to think more about um, what they're presenting so uh, uh, if they really want those points if they think they are serving and uh, getting more points in another area and they think they can make a case for mm-hmm. while we didn't hit this area um, we want to you know we want to say we yes we agree everything should be accessible but because of this project, this is what we're aiming for, and that's why we're not tackling on this. And I think that every project can still make some effort. Um, Maybe not too strong. I think there are many projects can make an effort to be more accessible. And it sounds like, uh, while without knowing a lot about universal design standards, like full in detail, it sounds like there's many aspects to it that they can touch on and not necessarily take on everything that's maybe too expensive or may not meet that project itself. Um, I think this is also something that, as long as we're like meeting or headed towards meeting that goal and redirecting efforts. So we talked earlier about possibly uh, focusing NOFOs, like having a more of a targeted effect. If we're seeing that we're not like making any Um, kind of uh, 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 progress in terms of attaining accessible units. Maybe that's one year where we're like, actually, this is where we need to head and we need to be very intentional about doing this because we've committed to this goal. Um, My two cents.
3: I think we could use the word incentivize in this, similar to bullet point three, potentially, um, just in terms of acknowledging it is important and giving more points through the, the scoring process.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah, what what is the difference between the second and the third bullet point?
3: ADA's got Once more. ADA is. Yeah.
4: Right. There's a term of art. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I there's mean, code. There's, a docu-
4: there's,
3: there's a code, code behind ADA. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Correct. Yeah. Correct. But when, again, as an applicant, you read it and you see it, well, then there is a meaning to the second one, which is outside yeah. of ADA.
8: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, anybody have a suggested <laughs> solution right. in... I think either one of the. I, I agree with Sarah 100% that it requires too strong. How you wanna allow more flexibility in there, you know, you all, I'll go with anything you all think is good. Uh. Is incentivized sufficient?
1: I'm getting some nods me online nodding <laughs> I have to look over there Not for that <laughs> purposely <reason. laughs> Nicholas has got the baby sway going yeah mm-hmm. so
0: I believe prioritize was also used as a suggestion
4: prioritize prioritize, prioritize. versus
8: incentivize
2: I would go with prioritize unless we're actually offering incentives incentives um, for each application that comes forward with those things, which we're not, we're just weighing those as part of the application.
10: Uh, this is Nicholas with Tennis to Homeowners. It, it Also the third bullet point kind of reads to me if I'm Well, it it potentially reads to me like that you're developing a main unit and that you're allowing for accessibility or like future development of an... Sorry. Never mind. Scratch that.
1: right, I'm going to suggest prioritize new units supported with affordable housing trust funds that incorporate universal design standards for accessibility. I think we leave it at that. I think you could add something like in a certain percentage or in some units. I don't know that you need, is that implied enough for an applicant to look at this? I know that if I'm building 48 units and I do this in 12 units, that that is meeting this? Or does it mean 100% of the units? I think that's the, to me, that's the deciding.
8: And that, again, I'm not going to beat it up, but that's where those state standards come into play. Because that's what they're saying is, if you're putting in 48 units, a certain percentage of them have to meet universal design, whether it's 10% or 20% or whatever the number is. That's, that's how they're operating their programs. But you, you don't want to go there for this. I mean, I, I mean yeah, I'm, I'm all right with what you said. I'm, all, I'm good with it. So
1: Again, we do have everybody everybody that makes an application gets an opportunity to meet with Leah to get those questions answered. answered. Mm-hmm. So there's some of that.
8: Right.
4: <clears throat> we okay with that? Sure. Chris Berger, <laughs> I... I, without a definition of the universal design mm-hmm. I, I don't think that 's curable till we 're on the same page there and and not seeing a distinction between two and three I mean ADA is a specific code with a zillion pages of interpretation behind it mm-hmm. and and having i know it 's a goal which is specifically for disability accessibility, but listing off different concepts behind it doesn't add clarity it only adds confusion to an applicant in my opinion
0: this is leah roseland affordable housing administrator it might be useful to look at the application or to reference the application where that clarity is and perhaps that should be noted in the strategy. And I'm trying to pull it up, um, but there it's like a checkbox on the application. Um, there's a list of different um, universal design components, I will call them, and the applicants check off which ones would be incorporated, and then they get points uh, for each of those. So, perhaps the clarity or specificity that um, you're speaking to is in the application and that that could just be tied together.
1: Can you pull up that, what you're looking
4: at there?
0: Yeah, let me look for it.
4: I know it's fewer words, Chris Berger, I know it's fewer words, but, I mean, why don't we simply say, you know, we strongly encourage that units are made accessible for all individuals with disability, accessibility, whatever our our proper terminology is, and, um, you know, as you present as appropriate for your project, I mean, that seems to catch... At all and allows for it not to be a, you know, I call it an unfunded mandate of everything must be.
10: Right.
4: And it seems pretty simple.
10: Mr.
2: Chair? Mm
6: hmm.
2: Karen Karen Willie, County Commissioner. I would suggest possibly adding the, the language at the end of that point to say as listed, you know, as specific uh, issues listed in the application or something that refers to the checklist so that it's not some uh, you know unknown, what is universal design, whose definition is it, but it's just those three or four things or that number that Leah has put up, number of things that we're talking about. Yeah.
0: So on the application, it asks um, will the project incorporate elements of universal design or allow for accessibility, yes or no? If yes, the percentage of units for each that are ADA uh, fully accessible and, or that incorporate universal design. And then um, which elements of universal, universal design? It's, they just check them. And um, given the amount of extra points for this category, um, it, it would be a stretch to consider it a mandate because although they do get extra points, it would not tip the scale, the scale in one direction or the other necessarily. Hmm. Um, but I could bring up that matrix for the specificity if there's interest.
10: Nicholas Ward with tenants to Homeowners, real quick question. Leah, if we have these outlined already as uh, boxes to check the specific considerations um, for universal design, Mm -hmm. would we also, without a ton of extra research at this point, be able to just put those into like a single document that's hyperlinked to that language um, when someone's going through? So that way, to Chris's point, that they would be able to click on that and see the 18 things that are, actually considered specifically in, the, in our considerations of universal design at this point in time
0: yeah this is Leah Roslin. absolutely and that's something if the committee works on the nofo um, that that might be a good um, project for them to select which components um, and then just circle back to the um, point about the, the scoring, so um, they it's like tiered, um, based on the percentage of units, um, they get a certain number of points, but for universal design, it's an extra five points if more than 50% of the units utilize any one of these universal design standards. So a max of five points for incorporating one out of a score, a total score of 100.
1: <laughs> okay, so I am I I'm gonna try this one more time.
6: Right? <laughs> we'll see if right we can right agree
1: on something. So I'm still at prioritize new units supported with affordable trust funds that incorporate universal design standards and maybe we say as define or as defined in the NOFO something like that or do a hyperlink uh, so we provide that definition of what they're being analyzed. you know what they're being scored scored on
4: is that fit so which which the Chris Berger which drives which are do our goals drive our NOFO or does our NOFO drive our goals
3: the goals should the drive the nofo. Goals right. that's drive why we're the nofo, but your five-year plan, right? Yeah. So
4: we shouldn't incorporate an application or notice of funding opportunity that's actually ending up defining what our goal is. I don't. It's,
8: it's the only I don't see that as
1: defining what our goal is. It's yeah. it's the information they need to understand how they're being judged, how they're being. Well, the, Our goal is to get more affordable units, and if you get – this is how
4: you get scored to drive you that direction. That's what I'm seeing. So if there was a new board who came in and said in the NOFO that there's no requirement, or there was a new board that came in and said every unit must be 100% of 100% of everything – our goal itself would now be defined by our no foe, and that's a substantive change. I, I don't know. I, I I think the the desire for such specificity is actually getting in the way mm-hmm. of what the goal is. But I'm I'm okay disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's part right. of a of a healthy board quite yeah. honestly.
0: This is Leah Roslin affordable housing administrator so um So perhaps not adding that that last um, clause and just providing a hyperlink where it says universal design standards. So it doesn't seem to indicate that the NOFO is driving the strategy. But I think the intention was to provide some specificity on what is meant by universal design standards. And that was what the as defined in the NOFO was referencing was the specific standards. so that that could also be a solution to offering that specificity of what we mean by universal design standards
7: this is galala bait i agree i don't think the no phone needs to be referenced in the goal um and if because if if it does get changed in two years, hopefully the board is utilizing the strategies that are already in place to create the NOFO. So I think the hyperlink to to give definition to what we're prioritizing or incentivizing or uh, is gonna be more, um, uh, is gonna offer more for applicants. in ourselves when we're referencing, when we're looking, when we're reviewing the applicants. So maybe we change the word
1: standards to concepts. Then we're not referencing a standard. You're referencing Mm -hmm. the intent. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get us to a place we can stop working on this, but uh, (laughs) with a reasonable solution.
9: Well, Stacy Schroeder, as an applicant, seeing the word prioritize over like strongly encouraged or like that's going to weight how much I might put into emphasis that. into that too. So strongly encouraged might be something that I'm like, well, they're encouraging it, but they're not prioritizing this. I, that language, I like that word prioritize. It makes it seem a little bit more weighted than encouraged.
6: Okay,
1: so I... One more time here. Prioritize <laughs> new units supported with affordable housing trust funds that incorporate universal design concepts for accessibility. I love it.
9: <laughs>
6: Close enough.
1: <laughs> Mushy enough. Yeah.
9: Stay with that hyperlink to that list of concepts.
1: I thought we were working away from the hyperlink.
0: <laughs> oh.
9: I thought we were just removing the, the Nofo. language with, the Nofo. with just, the NOFO, just the listing, I guess. It wouldn't even have to be to well, the NOFO, but just a list of those concepts.
1: And maybe there's something on our regular affordable housing web page that's not in the NOFO that has, right. these are what we consider universal design. universal design concepts. So, that you can get referenced back to the web page instead of the NOFO itself. Any thoughts on that? Anyway?
3: That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it really does make do
1: more do. sense. Because if we're promoting accessibility, we ought to have something on there that talks about on our general page.
3: I think that makes okay. sense. And after we get informed by this presentation coming up, we All may right. be able to help inform what goes on that yeah, part of the web page. Exactly.
1: Okay. Anything else on these <laughs> strategies? <No. laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we don't need a vote on this, do we? Uh, can we just I do think
0: it? that would be beneficial. Uh, we voted on the other goals and not okay. knowing, yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, can I have a motion to accept these strategies as modified today for uh, goal number three?
5: I make a move that we accept, prioritize new units supported uh, in lieu of, require all new units supported, and include additional information with a hyperlink that talks specifically about universal
0: design standards. Second. D- this is Leah Roseland. Could could we pr- um, consider um, a motion that would approve all of the strategies, because none of them have been approved previously. I'm sorry, Chris. (laughs) And maybe that would be a second motion, or Christina might consider amending her original motion.
1: Um, I guess, technically, I think I would need you to withdraw your
5: motion. Sure. Does that sound right? I withdraw that motion. I'm sorry. Thank Thank you. you.
1: (laughs) I'm not the best at Robert's Rules, so (laughs) just give me some grace here.
5: (laughs)
4: was it seconded already
1: (laughs) i don't think it was seconded okay yeah okay so um i am looking for a motion to approve the four strategies for goal number three as modified um with the second one second strategy being um prioritize new units supported with affordable housing trust funds that incorporate universal design concepts for accessibility.
3: This is Sarah Waters, so moved.
1: <laughs> OK.
3: <laughs>
1: OK. We have the option of providing the hyperlink. We don't have that all together, so I don't want right. to get that. But we have the option of providing that hyperlink to the, con- to the concepts in our webpage. Okay, so I have a motion on Thank the you. floor. Can I have a second? A second. Okay, we have a second. Any further
4: discussion? For discussion purposes, just to explain my upcoming nay vote, and that is simply that I think the increase, the the title to the section is probably sufficient in and of itself, and that the inclusion of multiple references sometimes to Non sourced standards, while well intended, will um, result, I think, more confusion for applicants and therefore, and, and potentially even greater ultimate expenses and the reduction of available um, affordable units.
6: Okay.
1: So noted. <laughs> Any other discussion? Okay, I'm gonna call the roll. Karen Willie.
2: Well, I agree with uh, Chris's points too. I'll go ahead and vote in favor. Brenda Wall. In favor.
1: Chris. Nay. Uh, Stacy. In favor. Galal. In favor. Sarah. Yes. Nicholas. Yes. Phil. Yes. Christina I approve Monty approve motion passes 941 against I think we're gonna move on to the next agenda items so we can wrap up this meeting by one o'clock yeah we will come back you will see goal number two at the next (laughs) meeting (laughs) until we are complete you will see goals so Um, Let me find my paper here. Okay, we have the we're going on to committee updates. So Phil, uh, could you update us on the land development code? And then we'll have following Phil, we'll have Christina to talk about a place for everyone equity work group.
8: We don't have enough time for an update. (laughs) Uh, I could talk for two hours, but I'll try to do it two minutes. the third module, which is Procedures and Administration, is not out yet. It will come out sometime in March. Uh, they do have another Steering Committee meeting on Thursday, but, but it, that's not, I don't think that's going to be a topic. In terms of where the Land Development Code is right now with respect to Big A affordable housing, Uh, I would say just a couple of things. Uh, One, that the contractors, city staff, and various community interests are moving the train in, in the direction that nationally people are using to try to get over the housing crisis that virtually every community faces, uh, and the treatments, you know, involve greater density, alternative housing forms, reduced parking requirements, being used everywhere as as the approach to to combating the housing crisis. Uh, briefly, you know, higher density forms, duplex, triplex, quadplex you know, permitted by right across a much larger geographic domain within the city. I mean, that, that's the, the most fundamental takeaway. Uh, the, 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 the kind of housing forms that they're throwing out, cottage courts, tiny home villages, small lot development, two units on a single lot, all, all of these things are, are out there in the mix not sure exactly how they got there but they're out there uh, you know and and they can potentially aid you know in income qualified housing you know uh, you know I mean they have some potential I mean many of the the more difficult problems of, of finance and and so forth and so on are way out in left field and aren't there but but you know, broader permitting by right of, of a much wider array of housing forms. Uh, there are many parts of the, of, of the thing that I still, like the congregate living thing, I still don't have a clue what they're doing. I mean, you know, and I've sat in all these meetings, I've read this stuff a, a dozen times, I, I still don't understand it. Uh, So, maybe it'll become clear, Uh, we'll we'll find out. I mean, when the module three comes in, you know, maybe it'll shed some some clarity uh, with respect to affordable housing. You know, we'll see. I, I mean, that's, in a nutshell, that's what I'd say about it.
0: Mr. Chair. Yeah. Um This is Leah Roslin, Affordable Housing Administrator. Um, just to tack on an additional um, point that the Land Development Code AHAP subcommittee is meeting this Wednesday if any additional or new members are interested in joining that group. And what we'll be looking at is discussing specific recommendations for um, 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 code-based incentives for big A affordable housing. Most of the code now speaks to um, reducing housing price by through the ability to just build more housing. Um, so market-based strategies and has very little about big A subsidized um, affordable housing and um, how we will incentivize or prioritize producing more and. Um, Big A affordable housing. So that's what the group is going to be focusing on on Wednesday. If anybody's interested in joining, what time is that? That is at one o'clock. And if anybody's interested, I can send more details. Yep.
4: More? Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: please. <laughs> Will you send that out to the board, just the information about that, so everybody can have it?
0: Absolutely. Thank
1: you. All right, Christina. Okay. All right. Unless there's other okay. questions. Thank you, Phil. I know that this has been a brutal
8: march. It, at times, <laughs> it, at times it seems that way. So we'll oh. see. All
5: right. Christina. Sure. And I'll be quick. This is Christina Gentry, um, and I, am myself, and a few, uh, Erica Zimmerman, who's no longer with us in um, this body, is also working towards um, one of the other groups that are part of the equity work group. So the equity work group has been divided into two subcommittees on one works lived experiences and the other is restorative housing practices work group Um, and so this work group is really just jumping off in a space that uh, is talking about meeting frequency Um, and so a little bit of context about this group this group is uh, going to be I think facilitated mostly by Erica Zimmerman who uh, works with Habitat. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. I get I get those mixed up. Tennessee homeowners, and then there's the other one. <laughs> oh, what a Monday. Um, but I apologize, but Eric Zimmerman has been influential on this board, but um, is still working in the space of restorative housing practices um, and reparations policies. So um, in that space, this also collides with and co- collaborates with the Place for Everyone um, as a city strategic plan. Um, this restorative housing work group will be meeting. Um, let me get the email up Uh, February 21st Um, and then this work group would also be working with myself and Erica to create an agenda and a plan of action for the group Um, within this work group there's a Google Drive including several documents and examples from other communities um, taking other examples for communities that are similar to ours that are working on or have achieved already program in restorative housing and or Um, and so we're also going to be reviewing the city of Lawrence's lived experience and compensation policy so it's a combination of all the work that we have continue to push forward in community health plan. Um, It also works in alignment with Ahab's goal number six, which is to increase racial equity in housing. So we look towards strategies and policies and things that we can embed into our goal number six. Um, Because if I look at goal number six as it stands now, um, a lot of this wording is provide, recognize support, and we want to get more to an action-based requiem where we are moving towards strategies that implement, prioritize some of the words that we were talking about earlier in our other strategies or other goal. Uh, So more on that to come and I'll report back uh, maybe not next meeting because well we'll see. Uh, But I'll have more information to share for sure.
1: Okay. Thanks. Can you share the information with leah on that meeting so it can go out to other people if they're interested i mean you could oh absolutely
5: open right absolutely and i believe leah is in that uh email thread as well as our director of equity and inclusion so a lot of good people doing good work in that space but leah could also be sharing that out
1: okay thank you
4: um any new business not a, this is Chris Berger, not a piece of new business, but I say I, I do have one little pet that I project. <laughs> it always has driven me crazy when I go to a city commission meeting. So, I'm not sure about county commission meetings, but when you read the memorandums, it always says fiscal impact. And that fiscal impact is always inward facing. What's the fiscal impact to the city budget? I would like for us to just chew on conceptually the idea of a fiscal impact to the community for whatever they are proposing, whatever they are passing. Because there's no single impact really that is more directly oriented to what this board can do than what the city is doing. So we we can't really do, we can do nothing about the cost of lumber, but we 100% can have commentary within our authority to the city with regard to the fiscal impact of their decisions upon the people who are residing. I'm not asking for any action or motion about that. I just throw that out there as, like I say, just one of those things that has always driven me a little crazy. Thank you. You all smiled and they didn't yell at me. I appreciate it. No, no. (laughs) It is, you know, Part of the fiscal impact
1: (laughs) part of the importance about having new people engaged it always brings us new perspectives on this board which is important because we're we are representing the community so it's good I appreciate it all right any other new business comments for the good Uh, okay Mm -hmm. I am going to let you read the calendar upcoming calendar Uh, for upcoming meetings and with that we are adjourned with thank you two minutes left left. (laughs) (laughs) which is no small feat that's true (laughs) true. some some months Uh, thank you everybody